and TKOs, we are live. Episode 17, I'm your host Shane Gillette, and I'm fired up today, man. I, I work in the world of sales. Sales definitely ups and down, mountain peaks and valleys. But sometimes things just go right, and it just boosts your fucking energy, and I'm feeling it on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. But besides that, I've been doing Sober October. I know it's only the 5th. Uh, maybe a mix of Sober October, good sales fortune, good gratitude, faith, and vibes, man. Let alone this sports weekend, you got amazing things going down. We got awesome college football, boomer sooner, baby. We got the Red River rivalry to wake up to on a Saturday. Early Sunday morning football in London, Steelers, Ravens. I mean, there's just so much going on. The UFC is back. One week off is enough. We got Bellator, 300. We got some fights booked. We got Contender Series action. I mean, what a show. Episode 17, again, on this beautiful Thursday afternoon in the Valley. And uh, it's also playoff baseball. I got to go this, this past weekend to a Diamondbacks game. Um, plan on going to a Diamondbacks playoff game against the Doyers. Game three, they may only host one. They could host two, but I want to go check one out. Uh, so lots of things that are happening in the sports world, and your boy ain't mad about it. But let's jump into the MMA world. We got some fights that have been announced. We have Casey O'Neill, Ariane Lipsky at UFC 296. And uh, Casey O'Neill coming back from that knee injury, looking to, to move her way into the top 15 rankings. So excited to see her fight. And hey, UFC 296 in December in Las Vegas. That card is getting stacked. We also have a very good uh, competitive fight here. We have Jonathan Pierce and Joe Anderson Brito, November 18th. That should be a fun one. Uh, Norma Dumont going down to bantamweight, taking on Yana Santos, uh, January 13th. So they're already getting fights for 2024 booked up. And then... A really awesome fight in the featherweight division. We got Arnold Allen and Movsar Evloev for UFC 297. Um, was going to record the pod a couple days ago. It was rumored to be in Toronto, but officially going uh, down in Toronto. Uh, Arnold Allen, Movsar Evloev, supposedly not finalized, but they are targeting the main event of Alexander the great Volkanovsky and Ilya Toporia as the headliner in Canada, in Toronto. And uh, I'm not too shocked that they're, they're running right to Aaliyah. Alexander likes to stay active. He just had, you know, some recovery on some injuries. He ain't, he ain't trying to sit on the table and wait. I thought he would maybe wait to see what happened with Makachev and uh, Charles Oliveira. Uh, but the Ilya Toporia one's going to be fun. Let's see how good that kid is. And then these aren't official, but have been confirmed by fighters and management, and they don't have official dates. But verbal agreements between Benil Dariush and Armin Sukarian, Sarukian, uh, for UFC 296. I mean, what even does UFC 296 look like? If they add that to that fight card, your boy might have to drive to Vegas. I've been waiting for the Sugar, Sean, the Sugar Show title defense to be booked which someone made fake news that it was going to be the, the Toronto headliner. I was already hitting up my boys 
about potentially going to Toronto as I missed the championship fight in Boston. I'm a little bummed, although that card didn't show out. You know, I got the the Timbo Sugar Show uh, podcast merch going on. I love this shirt. But let's see. UFC 296, December 16th, right before Christmas, man. We got Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, Alexandre Pantoja, Brandon Royval. You'd probably then insert um, the hypothetical Benil Dariush, Armin Sarukian, Tony Ferguson, Patty Pimblett, Shavkat Rukmanov, Stephen Thompson, Ian Gary Vicente Luque. I mean, that would be stacked, let alone Irene Aldana, Carol Hosa, Tagir Ulenbekov, Cody Durden, and then Casey O'Neill and Ariane Lipsky. That is looking really nice. I think they could use some more fights, so I would not be shocked if the uh, Benil Dariush fight happened there. To add to that, there has been verbal agreement between Marab Dwalishwili and Henry Cejudo Triple C. Man, the wrestling, short, two little stocky guys that are high energy. That would be very, 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 very interesting. So lots of exciting things. Uh, we'll update you guys next week if those do get finalized. I, I don't like usually talking about hypothetical fights, especially in the world of the internet. Anyone could say shit. I mean, people probably look at my social accounts like, who is this guy? You don't know shit. He acts like you know shit. So I understand that. But um, Ali, their managers have confirmed it. The fighters confirmed it on social media. I've seen outlets confirm it. There's just no, nothing finalized with the date. So other than that, um, UFC 297 in Toronto, um, that's going to be in January. So I'm, ass uh, I'm assuming wherever UFC 298 is will be the Sean O'Malley debut. And then 299 or 300, I would assume, we'll finally get the notorious Conor McGregor and um, um, Michael Chandler, I'm assuming. You know, if, if you waited that long, might as well make it 300. Um, so I'm excited to see what these next few cards go, go down as because... 300 is going to be massive. There's a lot of massive things coming. Uh, plus the, uh, what's the right word? Dilution, uh, dissolution. I don't even know. I, 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 I can't think of the word. But uh, Bellator kind of falling to earth. What's going to happen with their roster? Uh, very, very exciting times. I've been seeing swirling rumors on the internet of potential Bellator guys going to the UFC, hypothetical fights. And your boy is jacked up. Uh, good thing sales are going well because I might need to spend a pretty penny on some UFC fights. Uh, living in Phoenix, being a day's drive to Vegas, it, it, it's definitely tempting. It's tempting. We got to keep cranking out the pod week to week. Got to get the fighter stories start going up. Really build the pod so I can, you know, make this a free thing versus a out of the wallet thing. You know what I'm saying? But moving on, we did have the Contender Series this Tuesday. Um, episode nine next week, episode 10 will be the final week, six fights, episode 10. So a stacked card, uh, some fighters that are getting second chances and some, uh, weight misses why there is more fights on that card. But episode nine was decent. It wasn't great. Um, I'm a little shocked about some of the contracts, but the headline of the first fight, we had Islam Makachev's sparring partner, a 33 year old Raymond Magomed Magomedaliev. I was like, okay, let's see what this guy could do. Anyone with the last name Magomed and Bellator or PFL or the UFC is dominated. He's Islam's partner. Islam tweeted, watch out for my partner. I'm expecting a 
you know, a Dagestani-type fight. Well, Raymond did not fight like that, did not look to take anyone down, did not even look to clinch. Was the weirdest fight of two, two um, counter-strikers where nobody wanted to initiate the fight. They were doing spinning wheel kicks and all kinds of spinning kicks and high kicks and leg kicks. And it was just a kickoff for two rounds. Then finally round three, uh, Raymond was too defeated. So the, the victory went to Mauricio Ruffy. Round three TKO, um, you know, basically chopped that leg out under right, Raymond, his front left kick. That calf was brutalized. You could see a huge welt there and uh, was able to get on top of control. And Raymond was gassed. I mean, he's 33 years old, probably has a ton of miles on him. Been in those Khabib and Islam boot camps. Um, you could you could just tell, you know, it, it wasn't going to end well. Ruffy, all he had to do was get up and land some ground and pound. Raymond had no energy, couldn't go anywhere. So TKO finish. Welcome to the UFC, Mauricio Ruffy. And then this damn fight. We had uh, Jose Daniel Medina and Megomed Godzisulov. Both fighters getting contracts, although it was a unanimous decision, 30-27 on all three scorecards, and it was a terrible fight. Basically, Megomed dominated Jose Daniel Medina. Jose, great story, looked out of shape, probably could cut a weight class. And um, Bisping on the play-by-play was like, hey, you know, basically Jose was getting beatered, slobbered down, and he'd be initiating the fight, talking shit, having his antics, and Bisping was for it. I wasn't. But supposedly Dana White was for it. The gutsy performance got him a UFC contract. I'm really interested to see how that one plays out. Like, does uh, Dana have a quota to fill with these contracts? He's just throwing them out now. What's going on? I was really shocked that that happened. Uh, but good for Jose, right? Great story. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be a hater here. I'm just, I don't think what I saw on display there is going to do well for his career. But maybe it lights a fire under him. Who knows? And then we had Victor Hugo with a round two knee bar finish. He gets a UFC contract. And Rodolfo Bellato with a round two TKO. Looking great. He looks like he could be a problem in the UFC. So some solid fights. A little bit more controversy. I looked at the fighters for episode 10. I'm not a guy that's going to tell you sports betting and picks and do analyzation of the contender series. Most of these guys will never be in the UFC. Will be in promotions that I don't watch. Um... Nothing really stood out to me that looked fantastic, but there is some good young talent uh, towards the headliner of those final fights next week. So we'll see how it goes down. But definitely a, uh, a little bit of a downer after a fantastic episode eight. Then there's some random news in MMA. Things like Blonde, Derek Brunson signing with the PFL. We all knew he was off the UFC roster. He is going to move up at, what is he? He's probably 38. Let's see if I know what I'm talking about. 37 or 38. I'm assuming he just turned 38. He is 39. He turns 40 in January. When he fights in the PFL, he'll be 40 years old. Moving up to light heavyweight. That's very interesting. We'll see how that goes. Let me some Derek Brunson. Um, we have Ryan Garcia taking on Oscar Duarte, December 2nd. So Ryan Garcia, after the Molina's camp situation, and, and his first defeat, coming back, try to rebuild his stock. And then probably the more dramatic thing being announced in boxing, Tyson Fury, although he has a fight with the destroyer, Francis Ngannou, yes, he's not a boxing expert, but yes, he packs a fucking punch. Tyson said, you know what? I came out of retirement. I took the Ngannou fight. Give me Alexander Usyk in December or January. And I would assume he gets a victory there. He will finally retire 
Two big paydays. That Usyk fight is going to be massive. But what if, what if in the odd chances Francis Ngannou finds a shot or gets a victory, then what happens? I'm assuming that fight doesn't go through. Usually don't see someone book a fight after a fight. I know that uh, Tyson probably thinks very little of Francis and that it's going to be a cakewalk, but that's why you fight. You never know. And then um, I didn't even realize this fight was happening. This, you know, Canelo, one of the best boxers and most exciting boxers of all time. I didn't know who he was fighting when the fight got announced. I forgot it was happening last weekend. Well, as you could assume, Canelo dominated in the fight. Uh, I like how dramatic his walkouts are. I mean, the man is a fucking certified st- stud. Um, I wish I would have known about it, but that, that's what happened. And going from boxing to jiu-jitsu, another king, Gordon Ryan, defending, had a bunch of health issues, went through a ton of stuff this summer. I was surprised to see he was competing. Well, uh, he was able to get a heavyweight victory via armbar, slight work for Gordon Ryan as he continues his reign. And then, yes, there are the rumors that the PFL will buy Bellator. Some of the fighters will come rostered into PFL, and then they're basically going to dissolve the promotion. That was the word I was looking for, dissolve uh, dis- dissolve the promotion. So there's a lot of specifics of, well, if, if fighters still have fights on their contracts, can they just jump to the UFC? Are they going to have to go through a bunch of politics and drama to do so? Is PFL going to try to lock them in? Um, I'm really interested to see the specifics and the time frame of this stuff going down. But none of it's going to go down until this weekend's Bellator 300 card in San Diego. It's going to be Showtime pay-per-view prelims on YouTube starting at 3.30 Pacific. And uh, one of the title fights, Ryan Bader eliminated um, his opponent, sick, bailed out of the fight. They try to rebook him a fight, but supposedly Bellator wants to save money. A, AKA they're about to dissolve and they don't really care. Um, so we'll be really interesting to see how, how these next few months shake out going into 2024. But this card's sweet. Um, probably the, let me think real quick. Yeah, I, I would say Usman Nurmagomedov is probably the guy I would be most excited about right now on the Bellator roster going to the UFC. And he will be defending his title against the lead, the veteran Brett Primus. That should be a fun one. Uh, we have Chris Cyborg and Kat Zingano going at it. Two OG women. That should be fun. We have Liz Carmouche taking on Alima Lay McFarlane. And then Henry Corrales and Kai Kamaka. A couple OGs that I like to watch. Leah McCourt and Sarah McMahon. Two ex-UFC fighters. And then 307 represent MMA Lab. Um, you know, he trains with Sugar Sean, trains with Tim Welch. One of the best grapplers out there in the 135 weight class, Bryce Misfit Meredith, taking on Miguel Pembert. He's a very big favorite. I can't wait for him to stack up wins and get to the upper level competition to see how he does. But either way, tune in to Bryce Meredith. Can't wait to see what he has to go uh, to showcase this weekend. Enough of that, though. We finally got some UFC back. One week off is a week enough for me. We have UFC Fight Night Vegas 80 going down on ESPN+. Plus. The main card a little bit earlier at 4 p.m. Um, and, you know, we didn't have any extra picks uh, last week since there was no fight. So we stick with our record at 97-61-1. Not bad under 17, or going into episode 18, if you ask me, plus a nice 36. Let's go.
Now, um, this card isn't completely stacked. There's some decent fights. I thought about breaking them down, but there just wasn't enough for me. But these fights should be fun. We have Dana White Contender Series alum, Mateus Mendonca taking on Nate Maness. That should be high, high action, high paced. Uh, we have Johnny Munoz taking on Arilla Gang. I have no idea how to say his name. I've said his name a hundred times, heard it said, but the way it's spelled, Arilla Gang, um, Oralong, however you say his name. Taking on Johnny Munoz, that should be a fun one. And then Chris Gutierrez had his opponent, Montel Jackson, um, bow out due to injury. Was super stoked for that fight, but Chris gets to stay on the card. He's taking on Healy Alatang, who I'm not familiar with, uh, but Chris Gutierrez in and out of the top 15. Uh, you know, big, big leg kicks. It should be fun to see how he rebounds after a loss. But we're kicking this thing off in the prelims. We got Montana De La Rosa, the 28-year-old fighter with a 12-8-1 record, taking on J.J. Aldrich, 30 years old with a 20 or with a 12 and 6 record. Now I've been talking about the resurgence of women's MMA, the the improvement, the innovation of uh, of new martial arts and abilities, the Aaron Blanchfields of the world, the Talia Santoses, these young women that are coming in and straight dominating Emily Ducate, this young wave that they have such a good base of martial arts, kickboxing, whatever it is that the women that had started the UFC didn't. You know, Ronda Rousey, love her to death, but she lived on an arm bar. Like, one move, right? She is a judo person. Now these girls are so well-trained. Looking at this fight, it's just crazy that they're not even 30 yet. These two women have been UFC veterans and have been around for quite some time, and they were kind of that first wave of young talent getting in, but I still think they haven't showed the best versions of themselves so when it comes to the stakes of this fight, I think it really means everything. It might mean the UFC future for these women. This is a great fight between two veterans in their primes, really looking to push into that upper level. They've had chances before, haven't taken advantage. This is a huge fight. When we break it down, Montana trains at a team elevation. There's elevation fight team and team elevation. She's team elevation. She has a brown belt in BJJ. She is a Ultimate Fighter Legacy FC and LFA alum. She's been around. She is on a two-fight losing streak, and she hasn't won since June of 2021. Again, this, this fight means a lot. You may look at that like, wow, she hasn't, you know, won since 2021, couple of fight losing streaks. She hasn't been active. I really think she's been working on her craft. She lost to Tatiana Suarez, savage, via guillotine choke. Lost to Macy Barber, right? She's that future wave, nicknamed the future. She beat Ariane Lipsky. That's a good win. She had a majority draw against Myra Bueno Silva. Um, Silva was deducted a point that made it a draw from grabbing the fence. Still battled with her for three rounds. She lost to Vivian Araujo in 2020. So, you know, she's been around. She's fought Andrea Lee, Rachel Ostovich, Cynthia Cavillo in LFA, Mackenzie Dern in Legacy FC. So, we're really going to see the best versions of themselves, and I really think she's really been trying to perfect her craft. Um, and eight of her 12 wins are via submission. And the same thing could be said for JJ. She trains out of the other team, Elevation Fight Team. She has a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo. She has a, a brown belt in BJJ. She is on a one-fight winning streak, and she is 2-2 two and two since 2022. She's been a little bit more active with... Uh, mixed results, but really hasn't fought the same level of competition that Montana has. 
and she is an Evicta alum. So I think Montana is going to be the better all-around fighter with the jiu-jitsu, uh, with some clinch capabilities, with the striking. But JJ is a dog. She's tougher than hell. I could see her battling hard and pushing the pace to look to outscore Montana. She's going to pour on the volume. Both women definitely have struggled against the best in the division. They have some quality wins. The time is now. I'm not putting this on a parlay, but I am picking Montana De La Rosa in this one. Another banger in the women's UFC side of things. We have Carolina Kowalsiewicz, the 37-year-old fighter with a 16-7 and record and the number 15 next to her name, taking on Diana the Warrior Princess Belbita. 27 years old with a 15-7 and seven record. And this is the difference of women's MMA today. Carolina, another OG that's been everywhere, done everything. Her record is 16-7. and seven. She's 10 years older than the Warrior Princess. And, and uh, Diana has one less pro fight, 15-7. and seven. So you can see the difference of how things have transpired over the years. And this fight's a different situation, right? Both women are in different stages of their careers. It's going to be a, probably the toughest test for Diana in her UFC career, but an opportunity for Carolina to finish her career strong. She's been on an upward trajectory. She's massively improved her game in the strawweight division, and a win against a young stud like this can really help her out. Um, really want to pull up Carolina real quick. I mean, look at this career transformation. I've probably talked about this before, but she was on a four-fight skit. No, one, two, three, four. Five fight skid from 2018 to 21. You thought she was probably on the fence of being done. But look at who she lost to. Jessica Andrade, Michelle Watterson, Alexa Grasso, Jan Shaunan, and Jessica Penne. A bunch of ex-UFC champions are damn close. The only one that uh, hasn't is Jan and Michelle, but they've been damn close. She came back, beat Felice Herrig in the rematch that had her retired beat Silvana Gomez and Vanessa Demopoulos. So, you know, not quite the level of competition she's about to get, but a huge resurgence, very impressive. Um, two wins in 2022, one win already in May before summer this year. You know, she's also fought Claudia Gadella, Joanna Young-Jacek, Rose Namajunas. She beat Rose Namajunas in a split decision in UFC 201 in July of 2016 after her ultimate fighter days. So, She's definitely had some major highlights, uh, a, a tough spot. It's going to be fun to see this shake out. Now, Carolina is on a three-fight winning streak. She's an Invicta alum. Diana has a kickboxing and karate style. Six of her 15 wins are via knockout, four via submission. So 10 of her 15 wins via finish. That's very impressive in women's MMA. And four of her seven losses are via submission. She does have a four-inch reach advantage, which is interesting to me. And she's on a one-fight winning streak and is one-and-one since 2022. Now, Diana's definitely shown what she's capable of, but she has not had a finish victory in the UFC. 10 of our 15 wins via finish all were outside of the UFC. I think Carolina's going to be savvy, man. She's been looking great. I think her and her team's going to come in with a great game plan to find a way to win on the judges' scorecards, keep that jab going, keep things at distance, maybe up against the cage a little bit, but look to avoid um, putting herself in dangerous situations and just outpoint her. I would not put this on a parlay. This really is a toss-up fight, but I just have a feeling Carolina's going to show out, 
Diana has a little bit more of a learning curve to go. So I am taking Carolina for the victory. Then these two dudes. Holy, this is going to be a banger. We got Felipe. I mean, their, their nicknames speak for themselves. We got Felipe Monstro Lins. Lins. 38 years old with a 17-5 and five record, taking on Jan the Hulk Kutalaba. 29 years old with a 17-9-1 record. Now, this is going to be a scrap. Fight of the night potential. Two men who have been in the UFC. There's a lot of these people on this card now that I'm thinking about it. But people have been in, in the UFC for a long time with mixed results. Both men have had success lately. They look to continue that, enter the top 15 in the light heavyweight division, and really make a name for themselves. And these guys have, you know, really been there, done that. They've had highs and lows, much like uh, Carolina. It's just funny that the age difference here and the experience difference. Felipe came from the PFL. He won at heavyweight. He's come down to light heavyweight. He's had resurgence. Yes, he's a little bit older, but he's looking to be probably fighting the best of his career. Meanwhile, Jan came into the UFC in 2016, so that was seven years ago. He's only 29, so at 22 years old, which at the time was very, very rare. Um, he didn't have the, the, honestly, like huge promotions that he fought in, in, in before the UFC. He was in WWFC Cajun Counter, uh, stacked up a bunch of wins, no names that I'm familiar with. But coming in the UFC, lost to Mika, uh, Misha Serkinov when he was in his prime, lost to Jared Cannonier, had a couple wins, lost to Glover Teixeira, beat Khalil Roundtree Jr. in 2019. That's a massive win via TKO, uh, elbows via TKOs, bows and TKOs. Uh, lost to Megomed Ankalaev twice, uh, both via knockout in the first round. Had a draw against Justin Deco uh, Dustin Jacoby, beat Devin Clark. Lost to Ryan Spann, lost to Johnny Walker, lost to Kennedy and Shekoku, and beat Tanner Bowser. I mean, he's fought all the dudes. It's his time now. you got to get a win against Felipe, and, and your career is right where you want it to be in your prime, which is, is crazy to think with, with that much UFC experience. Now, breaking it down, Felipe trains out of ATT. He has a black belt in BJJ. He's a Bellator PFL and PFL alum. And again, he was the million-dollar heavyweight PFL champ, I think, 2018, off the top of my head. He's on a three-fight winning streak. Nine of his 17 wins are via knockout. Four of his five losses are also via knockout. And he does have a three-inch reach advantage. Now, Jan is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of the MMA factory. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 1-3 since 2022. Just went through his record. 13 of his 17 wins are via knockout, and four of his nine losses are via submission. I think it's Ian. I've been saying Jan, but uh, he's just now entering his prime, has that long, that long resume, fighting another power striker per usual. Both guys full of confidence, especially Felipe since he's come down to the light heavyweight division. I believe this is going to be a banger. Again, fight of the night potential. I do believe, though, that the Hulk is going to come out like the Hulk, aggressive, looking for a finish. And we'll see if Monstro can really withstand that early barrage. If he can, it's really going to be interesting. But I have a feeling the younger uh, Kutalaba is going to find a way to victory. I'm not putting this on a parlay, but I am taking the Hulk in my picks.
which I will post tomorrow after weigh-ins. Always do your picks after weigh-ins, especially if you're betting. Cards get bounced, missed weights. You can look at the video, see how people look. Sometimes there's just a lot of detail there. I like to make them after Friday, and I'll post them in social media after the weigh-ins at Bows and TKOs, Twitter, Instagram. You know the deal. Now in the main card, we got Alexander the Great Ape Hernandez, 30 years old with a 14-6 and six record, taking on Bill Senor Perfecto Algeo, 34 years old with a 17-7 and seven record. Now, this is a fantastic featherweight matchup of two men in their primes looking to consistently stack up some wins. They usually get a win, a loss, a win, a couple losses. They got to keep that momentum going. And, and they're going to kick the main card off right. I'm excited for this fight. Now, Alexander trains out of Factory X. He has a blue belt in BJJ. He's an RFA and LFA alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 1-2 since 2022. Six of his 14 wins are via knockout. And three of his six losses are via knockout. So to knock out or to be knocked out. Bill has a black belt in BJJ. Two of his three, two of his last three fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. He's showing up. He's showing out, getting that payday. He's on that one fight winning streak. He is three and one since 2022. He's been active. He's on a roll. Again, he's in his prime. He's feeling himself. Um, seven of his 17 wins are via submission. And he has quite the, the resume coming into the UFC. He's a Cage Fury, World Series of Fighting, and Dana White Contender Series alum. He was also a Ring of Combat alum with two successful title defenses as a former champion. Now, Alex has some impressive wins. He really does. Uh, he usually wins in a dogfight with back-and-forth striking. He out, he's, he's very durable, hits hard. He's only 30, which is wild. I just don't think Bill is going to let the fight go that way. I think he's going to look to get the fight down, Get the fight down to the octagon. Get his BJJ going. Um, Alex is definitely going to have an explosive advantage, and I, he really needs a win here versus the veteran. Um, for that reason, he's, he's got the slight edge for me. I am taking the great ape, but I am not putting him on a parlay. These are some very, very paper-thin fights here to pick. As I say that, the, the next one's next few, maybe not. Moving on, we have Drew Dober. Not his official nickname. A lot of people have been bringing it up. I, I say let's just, you know, let's trademark it. Drew the Crimson Chin Dober, 34 years old with a 26-12 and 12 record, taking on Ricky the Gladiator Glenn, 34 years old with a 22-7-2 record. Now, to be honest, this fight caught me off when I, when I saw it was announced. You know, uh, Drew's definitely fought a lot stiffer competition than Ricky. Ricky's on a skid. He hasn't had a quality win since 2017 and ha has had some time off. But breaking it down, Drain tr Drew trains out of Elevation Fight Team. He has a brown belt in BJJ, a black belt in Taekwondo. Five of his last eight, let me repeat that, five of his last eight fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. The Crimson Chin, he's called that for a reason. Man, he shows up, puts on a damn show. He is a Bellator, Titan FC, and Ultimate Fighter alum. 
He had last year's 2022 round of the year versus Terrence McKinney. That shit was bonkers. He's tied with, this is Drew Dober right here. That's why he's a fan favorite. And I'm tuning in every damn time he steps in the octagon. He is tied with Dustin Poirier for the most knockouts in UFC lightweight history. He's on a one fight losing streak. And he is three and one since 2022. 13 of his 26 wins are via knockout, six via submission. So 19 of his 26 wins are via finish, and four of his 12 losses are via submission. Now, Ricky has a wrestling, boxing, and BJJ background. He has a brown belt at BJJ. He's a World Series of Fighting former champion and a King of the Cage alum. He is on a one-fight losing streak. He also had a draw in 2021. And he didn't fight in 2022. 13 of his 22 wins are via knockout. And he does have a four and a half inch leg reach advantage. Yeah, maybe he uses some kicks and looks to use that leg reach. But I think Drew is going to have a massive striking advantage. I assume Ricky's going to try to leverage his wrestling, get Drew down, control him. People have showed that's a good path to victory for Mr. Dober. But I ain't betting on it. I'm taking Drew Dober. We put him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. We got Alex the Great White Murano, 33 years old with a 23-8 record, taking on Joaquin the New Mansa Buckley, 29 years old with a 16-6 record. This is another fun fight. Um, Buckley has moved down to welterweight. Uh, he is definitely getting a fighter who is in the middle of his prime, full of confidence, and has looked very good in his past few fights. Breaking it down, Alex is an orthodox fighter. He has a second-degree black belt in BJJ, a black belt in Taekwondo. He's a legacy FC alum and former champion. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 5-1 since 2021. Seven of his 23 wins are via submission, six via knockout, so 13 of his 23 wins via finish. Now, Buckley had the 2022 knockout of the year against Impa Kasagane, and that really was the viral moment that boosted this guy's career. One of the most fantastic, spectacular knockouts you can see. He is a Bellator and LFA alum. He is on a one-fight winning streak in his 3-2 since 2022. 12 of his 16 wins are via knockout. Four of his six losses are via knockout to knock out or to be knocked out. And he does have a four-inch reach advantage. But man, is this one hell of a fight. I've gone back and forth on this one. Alex is smooth with his defense. He's, he's, he's tricky to really come in and catch. I think that's going to cause frustration from Buckley. So if Buckley can't keep it together for three rounds and, and, and take what Alex gives him, Alex is going to have a chance, but I'm not betting on that. I think the power, the speed, the striking, plus the length advantage for Alex, he connects. It's going to be a bad night in the office, and Alex has been knocked out a time or two. So I am taking Buckley. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on to the co-main event. We got Joe Bodybags Pfeiffer. Be like Joe. He's 27 years old with an 11-2 and two record, taking on Abdul Judo Thunder Razak Al-Hassan. 
38 years old with a 12-5 and five record. Now, I think this fight is going to come down to Abdul being one of the only fighters who would take the fight against Joe. Joe's a problem. He's only 27. He hits like a fucking truck. Um, obviously, you know, he's a fan favorite right now. He's been grappling the shit out of people. He's the full package. Abdul, he's willing to go in there, go out on his sword, and, and battle. I mean, he fought Buckley, got knocked out by Buckley. It's funny as the co-main. Uh, that's a Joe thing. But Abdul's coming off a great win against Claudio Ribeiro. And uh, he knows a win here can really boost his stock. You know, he is 38 years old. He's had a tough stretch, so why not take the chance? Breaking it down, Joe is a Ring of Combat, Cage Fury, and Dana White Contender Series two-time alum. He's here now. He's on a four-fight winning streak and is 3-0 in the UFC. Eight of his 11 wins are via knockout. Every Every time I see his name, I can't help but, you know, be like Joe. Dana White, let's go. Be like Joe. Be like Pfeiffer. Now, Abdul has a judo and Muay Thai background. He trains at a team elevation. He has a black belt in judo. He's a Bellator and L- Legacy FC alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 2-2 two and two since 2021. All 12 of his wins via knockout. It's like a truck. Now, I could really see this be... Like the the Hulk fight, straight carnage. You know, first two minutes, who's going to be the last man standing? Um, but I think both of these guys have been there enough and know how dangerous each other are. I think they're going to measure each other out. First round might be a little slow. Second round, things are going to open up. Um, and uh, it's going to get interesting. Let's just say that to be the least. Either way, the fight's going to be pure chaos. I think Joe is going to look to get the fight to the ground sooner than later. Get this victory right. I think he deserves to fight bigger, better names. I think he, he believes that as well. Nobody wants to fight him. So uh, go out, get a victory. You know, save yourself some CTE in the, in the path to victory. For that reason, I'm taking body bags. We putting Joe on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. We got Grant KGD Dawson. 29 years old with a 21-1 and record. That's 20 wins, one loss, one draw. Taking on Bobby King Green, or just call him King. He changed his name. I always call him Bobby Green, but King Green, 37 years old with a 30-14-1 and record. He's been there, done that. Now, the main event's a little bit different. This is a clash of styles fight. Bobby Green's been used to that of late, used to that of late. He fought Islam. He's fought some other grapplers. The funny thing about this was the story of Grant saying when he was just starting to fight as a teenager, there used to be a show, I think it was MTV, I think it was MTV, it was called Bully Beatdown, and Bobby Green was on it, and Grant talked to, a, uh, or messaged all the guys on Bully Beatdown that was beating down the bullies, you know, is this the real deal, I'd love to come on the show, and Bobby Green was the only one that responded to Grant saying, I see you're a fighter, keep the dream up, there's an opportunity, blah, 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 here we are years later, um, an eight-year difference in age. They're scrapping against each other, breaking it down. Grant has uh, Grant, Grant trains out of ATT. He has a black belt in BJJ. He is a Titan FC and Dana White Contender Series alum. He's on an 11-fight winning streak. He did have a draw in between, but we'll keep that winning streak alive. He is 9-0 with one draw in the UFC. 
and 13 of his 20 wins are via submission. Now, Bobby trains at a pinnacle MMA. He has a purple belt in BJJ. Two of his last three fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. That's why he's got that bling, 50 Gs, a Bobby Green fight. You know it's going to show out. And this is why. I mean, this is fucking insane. We need to put some respect on this man's name. Most significant strikes in UFC lightweight division history. That's Mr. King with 1,637. Think about all the killers in lightweight. The McGregors, the Khabibs, the Everybody's, the Charles Oliveras, the Justin Gaethje's, Dustin Poirier, and Bobby Green has these records. He has the most total strikes landed in UFC lightweight division history with 1,863. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is two or is two two and one since 2022. He's been active, although he's damn near 40. He's been fighting. He's been getting paid. He's a former Strike Force alum and King of the Cage alum. He was a King of the Cage former champion. Ten of his 30 wins are via knockout. Nine via submission. So 19 of his 30 wins via finish. When we're talking a Bobby Green fight, we're talking hand speed, man. The ability of King on his feet, he shows out, man. He really does. I don't think Grant's going to let that get going. Uh, Grant, or, Yeah, let's see real quick. I feel like Grant has fought some good strikers in the last few fights and did not let them throw shit, which, you know, you want to win. That's what you got to do. Yeah, Demiris Mugulov, he did not let him throw at all. I guess that's the only one. But his last one, a true striker, and he literally was relentless with the takedowns. I expect a lot of the same here. Um, for that reason, well, you know, if he can't hold Bobby Green down, it's going to be interesting. And we'll see what Grant could do on the feet. I just don't think it's going to happen. Hopefully, Bobby's ready for that. Bobby's hoping he could get a little scrap going. Grant's not going to let that happen. For that reason, I'm taking KGD. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. But I'm glad the UFC's back. Bellator, UFC, Saturday football, playoff, baseball. Sports fans rejoice. Cheers to you. I'll be drinking water. Sober October. It is what it is. But next Saturday, we have another Apex card, 4 p.m. Pacific start, another ESPN Plus. It's football season. They ain't getting the ESPN uh, pay-per-view or non-pay-per-view events. But this one's going to be fun. It's a little bit deeper. The main event, whoo-wee, we got Sadiq Youssef and Edson Barboza. I'll be breaking that down next week. I'm your host, Shane Gillette. See you next week.